welcome to the podcast of ideas. Uh, we'll have a series of podcasts organized by the Academy of Ideas to discuss the World Cup 2022, which has been happening in Qatar for the last five days. Uh, lots of things have been happening, both football related and non-football related. Uh, and we're going to chew the cud um, over the next 30 minutes or so with my colleague, Tom Collier, who's with me uh, in, in our office. Hi, Tom. Rob Lyons, uh, Science and Technology Director at the Academy of Ideas and a veteran of these podcasts. Uh, Simon McEwen, who suggested that we had to do these podcasts for the 2022 World Cup, and we're very grateful that he's able to join us. And Hilary Salt, who's also done the podcast before, and we're delighted is joining us today from near Manchester. So welcome, everybody. Um, there's lots to discuss. I have to say there's been so much discussion around the aspects of the World Cup, which are not directly related to football. Let's just start by saying what we think has been good in the football in the first few days of the tournament. There's been some big shocks, some players who've star players who've underperformed, some countries who've underperformed. Quite a lot of interesting things have happened. So let's discuss with that and then we'll get on to the other stuff. Uh, who'd like to kick us off? Yeah, I, th I think I'm saying that uh, my, my two favourite games so far have been the, the Argentina game and, and the Germany game. And it was great to see Germany lose 2-1 against Japan, who I thought play, played really well. Uh, uh, yes, it was a huge, huge surprise. Well, not really a surprise because Germany didn't get through to the first round in 2018. And um, I think they didn't do too great in the 27 Euro Championship. So they've not really lived up to their nickname. Uh, and forgive my German pronunciation, Die Mannschaft, the team, um, which has, which has uh, football authorities in Germany have dropped because they are no longer the team, which, which, which was very satisfying for me. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the, uh, the uh, shock result games uh, as well. Saudi Arabia particularly, I thought were fantastic. And I don't know if anybody heard the, their commentator um, doing one of those traditional, you know, going absolutely crazy commentators um, uh, uh, pieces. So I, I enjoyed those. I really enjoyed France, France, Australia. I know they're only playing Australia, but they looked scarily good, France, I thought. So they also looked, I thought, very kind of united on the pitch, which, you know, at times in the past they haven't been. So the fact that they're, uh, you know, they seem to be really, uh, playing as a team, I thought that was uh, that was even more scary. Obviously, England could come up against France in the uh, in, in the future if we make it through. Belgium, on the other hand, looked a bit divided. Looked like they were having a bit of a an argy bargy between themselves on the on the field. So a bit of an argument over tactics and and their performance. So that 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 doesn't bode well. Uh, I didn't think. Uh, but yeah, I think on the field, it's been. A great World Cup so far. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, we've seen sort of three clearly outstanding performances or dominant performances from England, France, and Spain so far, and so they do look like they they could perform to their reputations and their rankings, etc. But it's difficult to judge things too early. I mean, just to, just to take the example of the Cricket World Cup that's just ended. Uh, where England lost their opening game to Ireland, which was a huge shock, but then went on to win the whole thing. So some teams will take this as a kick up the backside and get their acts together and, and we'll see better performances from them more 
in line with what you'd expect um, in the, the coming weeks. The Germans don't look great though, so um, they could they could struggle, and you know they only have to lose to Spain and they're going home. So they're in a quite a pickle now as a result of that. Um, but it's, but compared to the the, the sort of very lackluster build up to the the tournament, which was about what was it a week after the last Premier League game, no real time for international teams to get together. Very little hype about the the tournament in the run up to it. Um, but actually, once the football's got going, it's been pretty good, uh, and in fact, very good at times. And there's some real quality on display there. So it's all building up very, very nicely. Um, not the great atmosphere here in Scotland, where STV are running adverts saying "Pick your team," since we didn't qualify. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the I think the football's been great. I think all, all the, a lot of the culture wars nonsense, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get onto, and all the kind of hype about Qatar, um, has been a bit of a distraction. But in terms of the quality of the game, I mean, I thought they might be roasting to death on the pitch as well, and that we've seen teams strolling around. But actually, the conditions seem to be warm rather than boiling, and therefore that's allowed a good quality of play. So. All, the, all things pointing nicely towards a good tournament. Rob, one of the undercurrents is that, once again, you've got many of the best teams in the office sweepstakes, including France, and you made the point that uh, Benzema was injured, one of the other players are injured. Do, do you still think that they're a force, both for yourself and for the country? Well, as the commentators were, or the analysts were saying, beforehand, Benzema has obviously just come off the back of a fantastic season including winning the Ballon d'Or. And, you know, he's a, he is a real handful. But on the other hand, it may well be that France play better with Giroud. And the fact that Giroud has just equaled Henri's France scoring record shows that he's no mug either. And actually, he has a very good understanding with Mbappe, who is who's obviously the, the, the real key man for, for France. If he really gets going, then everybody else is in serious trouble. Um, so, you know, I probably overstated the, the case for uh, Benzema and actually, you know, France as they played against Australia. Australia are not a bad team. They looked really, really good and could have won by more. So I thought that was a very impressive performance by France and will give them a lot of confidence. And as Hillary says, they look united, which is not necessarily the French way. I've got the mighty Morocco in our sweepstake. Uh, and obviously they had a fantastic uh, start with the scintillating nil-nil draw uh, against Croatia. So I have high hopes. Well, it could be worse. My only good team is Argentina. <laughs> that's, um, that's not gone well at all. But uh, in, ter- in terms of positives of the tournament for me, I've, I'm going to be very boring and just agree and say the two, the two underdog performances were great. Um, the, uh, the Argentina game, obviously hurt a lot more for me as well as with the whole VAR and offside and the number of times they managed to get the ball in the back of the net to know um, that's for nothing to change on the scoreboard. Um, I have to say in terms of the England game, not to bring a downer on it, but I, uh, and it sounds ridiculous to say this about such a dominant performance, but it did scare me a bit how the, the, the six was obviously great, the two was a bit worrying, especially given that there were two or three moments where they were only put under a little bit of pressure back and it looked they had some really scary dodgy moments um so it'll be interesting to see hopefully i'm just being 
a grouch ball like I normally am about football. But uh, it'll be interesting to see against slightly tougher position, uh, tougher opposition, or a, a more pressing side whether or not um, they'll cope. Yeah. What do other people think about that? Because it's always an exciting young side. I've always been skeptical myself about Southgate, but you know he got them playing well the other day. They're playing freely, scoring goals. They've got options, uh, uh, substitutes, or whatever. But at the same time, I'm never 100% sure they come up against a, a world-beating team, whoever that might, whoever that might yeah. be. But are people excited after the first performance, or is it just too early to tell? Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. But I, I think the two things in the back of my mind are, one, that they played Iran, who were not only a, a weak team, but were incredibly brave, I think, to uh, not sing their national anthem. And God knows what's going to happen when, when they get home. So I think... That was an incredible brave stance, and that must have played on their mind or, or, or been, been, been somewhere present to, to reflect on their performance. And also, Harry Kane, is he injured or isn't he injured? Um, if he doesn't play tomorrow, you know, I, England haven't got an obvious replacement. So that, that would be a bit of a concern. The US, that they're, they're not a bad side, so they, they could pose some threat for England. Um, I don't think England are going to enjoy as much of an open game as they did against Iran. But as, as you said, um, it is, Tom, as, as it is worrying <laughs> that they, they still let in two goals. I mean, I think the two is, well, it's, the two is a bit flattering to Iran, frankly. That last the last kick of the ball penalty was very dubious. I mean, it probably technically was a penalty, but it's the inconsistency of the fact that um, that Maguire had been sort of like rugby tackled earlier on and no pe- a penalty was given. Uh, just, you know, that kind of worries me and and again you know the usual pissing and moaning if I may about VAR but the willingness of referees to overturn decisions that very marginal decisions that the video referees put to them and you know I mean like there was at least one offside I think in the Argentina game where it's like somebody's knee was in an offside position and you're thinking if they're going to have that kind of precision they really do need to rethink the offside law myself i i would say that they need to consider maybe if any part of a player's body is level or behind then they're on side or something like that because there's no advantage to having your knee slightly ahead of the last defender it's just it's just a, a nonsense um and so much for the the guff about oh well, var will only be used to overturn clear and obvious mistakes when in fact that was not a clear and obvious mistake um and it's just it's become completely bureaucratized and nitpicking and it does ruin the game um when that kind of thing happens i mean i think i think the one thing i i have enjoyed uh watching football from you know my experience watching football in the championship is the amount of extra time um i think that's been great that we've actually seen the ball in play uh longer i think yeah, if that encourages footballers to uh, kind of get a move on um, at home, uh, that's, that's all to the good for my mind. Everyone keeps saying exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say both those points about the penalty and the, and the stoppage time. Um, we've not mentioned the Jack Grealish dance yet. Do we want to talk about that? It's not Roger Miller, is he? <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, yes, he's like, it's nice that he's done that little thing for Finley and everything, but like I've seen like three separate things about it now as well as the original thing with Finley meeting Jack and all that. And it's like, it's a heartwarming story. But 
you know, it's it's in the main news bulletin. It's not even in the sports conference. So it's like, oh, oh it's such on. a Grinch. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing we might want to mention while we're on um, uh, dramatic performances is the new Three Lions coming home for Christmas. Don't know what people think about that. I think it's great. Again, it's a bit sentimental. Um, uh, but... Um, you know, I love the idea that generally we're jinxed in July, but it's December now, so come on. I've relied on my colleagues so far because I spent much of the week in a, a, a hotel in Greece preparing for an Academy of Ideas debate, so I missed quite a lot of the action. One match I did watch, which I was quite impressed with, was uh, Netherlands-Senegal. And Senegal are no mugs, I'm the African champion. And Holland just... Uh, Played to their strengths, very well organised by Van Hal, and then they uh, you know, scored at the end. And you think they're a, you know, it's always the same with the Dutch. If they can get their act together, they're a decent side. And I have to say, I thought they're a decent side. The other thing that was striking from sitting in a hotel and watching all this on German TV is I know people complain that British TV, Gary Lineker or whoever, can be irritating and woke. But German TV, you have the match. And you have an inter, certainly on this channel, you have an interval which is consists of adverts with the words on the screen, which even I can translate, homosexuality, racism, diversity. That's it. Then they go back to the studio. I mean, what, what, what is going on where just this kind of symbolism has become, you don't even have to almost, you don't even have to explain it or say anything. You just, say these things and this shows i guess we're germs we're good people this is who we are or something there's a lot of this been going on there's an obsession as i was saying to tom earlier when i was young armbands were what you wore when you learned to swim now armbands are like what armband can you wear what are you not alone the, the armband the content of the armband is almost more important than the content of your of playing ability so what do people think is going on here? How important is that? And, you know, is it a new thing or is it just all happening? Um, uh, is it particularly because of Qatar? Well, if, I'm, if I may start, I, I have to say I used to hate, I used to be completely against any politics in sport and I've since just come to accept that it happens. My issue with a lot of the stuff is, um, of course, as we already said, the sort of gesture, politics nature of it and how... It's, um, yeah, it's a point that's frequently made, but it needs to be reiterated, is that you're not protesting if you, the moment there's any personal cost to you, you stop doing it. Um, and that's where, you know, Iran not singing their own national anthem, there will be ramifications for every single one of those players, um, or at, at least certainly they're doing it in spite of the fact they probably, there may well be. Um, and I think it's just pathetic to say, oh, well, I'm gonna get it, even though I wouldn't necessarily be on board with um, Harry Kane wearing that armband, um, or, although I wouldn't have any massive issue with it, the fact that you know the, the possibility of having an arm, having a uh, yellow card, I just think well, just do it if you're going to make the political statement that you want to make. And also, and also, people frequently forget that what you know boycotts used to happen and they don't anymore. And people seem to take you know hold the football above the politics, which is fine um, as long as you're not pretending that. Um, you're doing it the other way around. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, 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 it's a bit annoying, I think, when they say, oh, they, they didn't tell us we couldn't wear the armband, because actually, 
political symbols on football shirts and on football fields have always been, you know, uh, uh, frowned upon and if not outright banned. And, and if they really did object to uh, the, um, the, the the going to Qatar, they shouldn't have gone. And, and having gone, they need to to behave, you know, appropriately for the job they're doing, which is playing for their country uh, on the field. I don't know if people heard uh, Jürgen Klinsmann saying that, you know, they should just wear the armband they're given uh, and get on with playing football. And that, that to me seems the right answer. Yeah, I, yeah there is that. I mean, there's, uh, I still uh, cling to the idea that um, it's it's the, the least worst thing is to keep politics out of sport. Um, and that as soon as you, you start introducing it, then it um, can quickly spiral out of control or you get inconsistencies and double standards and so on and so forth. So, I mean, like, when Euro 96 happened, uh, it was illegal for two men of the age of 20 to have sex with each other. And it was illegal for schools and, and local authorities in general to do, to do or say anything that might promote homosexuality. Should we you know, cancel that? Or in fact, 66, I mean, we should cancel Jeff Hurst right now. I mean, you know, because homosexuality was illegal and people were in prison for it in 1966. So, um, and then you get into sort of all, all the um, sort of the double standards of it. It's like there's been so, so much focus on LGBT rights and on migrant workers, but the, the status of women in Qatar is also pretty dreadful as well. They have you know, far fewer rights than they would enjoy in the West. So of, by all means, if you want to make those statements outside of the game, but on the pitch, just keep the politics out of it. It's just let the, the sport speak for itself. Um, it's, it is a way of pe people coming together from very different beliefs and political systems and whatever. And there's this one place where that's all put aside. And I don't think it's helpful to bring uh, that, the politics into sport um, in that way. And I mean, there's enough politics in FIFA as it is without um, bringing it into the, onto the pitch as well. I mean, you, you kind of saw that with the... Um with a furore around um, the alcohol ban uh, in, um, in, in in the stadium of Qatar, which kind of made me laugh because, you know, in England, it is still forbidden for um, supporters to, to drink in view of the pitch. You know, people uh, can be banned from football um, for taking alcohol in their car to a game. I mean, we, we've got quite repressive anti-alcohol legislation in this country, let alone in, in Qatar. But... Um, that they didn't really get an airing, <laughs> uh, unsurprisingly. Yeah, I remember, I remember going to a World Cup game in Stuttgart in 2006, going through the barriers where they took all your water off you. Uh, and then, what? Oh, you can actually buy a beer and, and, and watch it by the pitch. I was, I was, I was amazed. In Infantino's speech last week where he said, I feel a Qatari, I feel that. That caused a big fuss. Well, what does that mean for the, for the World Cup as a whole? Or, is it, or do we just ignore it? It's obviously Blatter saying last week, as he did, that the whole thing was a mistake 10 years after having given the World Cup to Qatar. That must have had some feathers fluttering and all the rest of it. Because obviously the, having the whole thing in Qatar, all the points are right, I agree with what people are saying. But, and Qatar has built all these stadiums which all connect and, you know, as, as Rob said, it's all worked reasonably well. But it's not a typical country where you have a World Cup. So how do people feel feel about that? And I know after Infantino's speech, there were people saying, well, uh, it's all very well 
saying this about Qatar, that 2026 is in the United States. And they've done even more terrible things than uh, Qatar could ever do, because obviously Qatar is a small country that everybody's just dumping on it. Or should we just keep politics out of the whole thing and have the World Cup in Saudi Arabia in 2030, 2026 in America, uh, you know, just get, get on with it and just forget the, the, the politics completely? Well, that, that, that's the that's the problem that FIFA have set themselves and the whole football, you know, um, football federations around the globe have set themselves because where are they going to hold the World Cup in the future? Because you know, homosexuality is banned in much of Africa. It's banned in uh, vast parts of uh, Asia and the Middle East, and even the Caribbean have anti-homosexual laws. So you know, just where are they going to hold it? There's, there's no there's no country in the world that is is, is blemish free. So I, I kind of hoping that. Um, the, the kind of insincerity of it all, FIFA's complete kind of corruption and all the kind of thing that mess they've made with, with, with uh, choosing countries to hold the World Cup, that it's kind of, we've reached the kind of the, the peak now. And that from now on, I'm kind of hoping that we just concentrate more on the football, we're concentrating totally on the football and not the politics. Although, you know, it, it feels to me that um, getting rid of the corruption in FIFA is a bit more of an issue than just concentrating on where you hold the next World Cup. It's a bigger problem than just the location of the World Cup, isn't it? And and that to me doesn't seem like something we should just give up on. Yeah, I haven't said that. I mean, I mean, obviously, I was thought, what they've given it to Qatar? What? And then they had the whole breach of their promise that they could play it in the summer and said, no, we have to play it in the winter because it's just going to be too hot. We, the technology won't make the pitches cool enough. But looking looking back at the bidding process, and I thought, why didn't they give it to Australia? Never been in Australia before. Great sporting tradition and all that sort of stuff. New market for um, international football. But the Australian bid actually had a lot of problems with it and got kicked out in the first round of the voting. And then the other bids were America had held it re fairly recently, South Korea had held it fairly recently, and Japan had held it fairly recently. So, and Qatar are obviously absolutely rolling out the red carpet. We're just going to build all the stadiums. We're just going to do everything, like, from scratch, and we'll just spend an absolute fortune on it. So from a strictly footballing point of view, in terms of uh, the bid as it was originally conceived, like, we're going to have cracking stadiums and then all this sort of stuff, and you can kind of see why they, at least Qatar would be in the running. Probably a few brown envelopes were passed around at the same time. But as Hillary says, I think the, the wider problem is just that FIFA is just such a corrupt organisation. And the only way, I mean, I can't say how they can reform FIFA. I think the only way to do it is to, to start something new, um, both FIFA and UEFA. And like that's something that's led by people who seem to have some interest in the game and the... The standards of the game are not that interested in the money that's flowing around. It'd be a very difficult ask, but something like that, I think, may have to happen. Well, I, I did hear on the radio this morning that Denmark were considering leaving FIFA, which would be interesting. Whether whether the other countries would follow Denmark, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, that yeah, I, I I can't I can't see FIFA. Um, well, I mean, they must hold the, the, the rights to World Cup. I can't, I can't see any kind of rival organisation establishing itself. We need a World Cup Super League. <laughs> <laughs> Break away from the shackles. So, so to begin to wind up, what, what are people looking forward to? Firstly, anything we've missed and you think we should 
talk about uh, or, or mention. Also, what are you looking forward to? Most teams have played. Some teams like Serbia, who I got in the sweepstake, and Portugal and, and Ghana, some big teams still yet, yet to play their first round. But uh, what are people looking forward to in the, in the, in the next week in the, in, the quali- in the qualifying stages? Well, we've not mentioned Wales, have we? So we should probably uh, give a shout out to Wales because I thought they, they looked OK, actually, against the USA. You'd, you'd kind of think that they'd have a chance against it, it, Iran. Um, so uh, clearly uh, for the next match, uh, I'm, I'm supporting Wales. For the one after, uh, I'm clearly not. I do think that they've, they've performed uh, uh, really well and, and it, it's great to see them uh, in the World Cup. Um, what are we looking forward to? Clearly, we're looking forward to, to uh, England, USA. Uh, we've got a big works outing. don't know what it's like in where everybody else lives, but the pubs are clearly trying their absolute best to you know, get uh, stacked up with people. And it, it will be great, actually, to spend uh, uh, an evening uh, in, in a pub watching uh, England win. So I am massively uh, looking forward to that. Just, just seeing other good upsets would be great. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm look, I agree, Hilary. I'm really looking forward to, obviously, England doing well and I'm bringing the nation. You know, bring this all together, going out into the pubs and uh, and celebrating some wins because we really do need cheering up, don't we, over this <laughs> the, uh, uh, this this winter. Well, with all tournaments, I think it's um, it's it's how it builds. I think that that's that that's the real thing, and you know, so. We're just starting to see a few things like Argentina are in trouble, Germany are in a lot of trouble, uh, and we could see some big name teams go out. But also, you just want to see really, really good players doing special things, which we've seen a little bit of. Obviously, looking forward to seeing Brazil, see how they get on, how they're shaping up. But I think I think it's the big matchups in the knockout rounds that I th- will be. That's when the you know there'll be real sort of like things on the line what the team's going to go home at the end of the night kind of thing, where it's, like, it's going to start getting exciting. And actually then, so often with knockout games, they, they can be quite cagey and all that, but just knowing there's so much on the line means that they, in many ways, are more interesting than perhaps more open group stage games. So I'm looking to, forward to seeing how things develop and who the dark horses of the tournament are going to be who's going to make a run to the semis that nobody expects, like Wales did in 2016 or Uruguay did or um, in a few years back as well, you know, or Bulgaria in 94. You know, who's the dark horse team that, that's going to go uh, far further than anybody expects? I'm doing miserable again because I can. But no, it's, um, I'm, I'm obviously looking forward, forward to knockout stages, um, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid this is going to be the one that England win. And I'm, going to be, I'm afraid... There's going to be a feeling that we won the not a proper World Cup World Cup, um, and I don't, and I don't know why I've got that that thing in my head thinking that, but um, yeah, I'm I've I've just and maybe we'll now lose to lose both of our next group matches. <laughs> my words, but um, I just feel like there's a little bit of the law of sod working, and that yeah, if it all, but you know, that point being made, any whoever wins the World Cup um, in the end. That there'll be a little bit of that slightly uncomfortable. Well, was this a real World Cup? Was it proper? It wasn't the right time of year. It didn't feel right. But obviously, I'm just hoping that that completely goes away and that the atmosphere builds and that it starts feeling like um, 
like the middle of summer by some some point in the next couple of weeks. That's the voice of a man who's not had 56 years of hurt, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Winning any World Cup, let alone yeah. wherever it happens to be. I also, I do think as well, as the, I mean, there's always all this talk beforehand and then you go on the talk. This time has been a bit different and the tour, and, and particularly Germany and all their shenanigans and then almost getting their comeuppance by losing the match. I mean, it has carried on into the football, but the football is now, most people who are into football, it is taking centre stage. And we're, uh, we're discussing now with this team and that team and this team is struggling and Germany can get knocked out. Can, can Spain do it against really strong opposition? You know, we're discussing those things. So personally, I think the World Cup is one of the great events of, in the world, is what we're saying in terms of human achievement and whatever, it's certainly one of the great sporting events happens every four years. And, you know, if, if that gets traduced, then that's a bad thing. So the football should be centre stage and let's hope that that happens. But also, having just been to Greece, right? Greece, I don't know how many times they've qualified for the World Cup or even the Euros, especially never. I mean, occasionally they qualify. But they won it, obviously, in 2004. And they, they, you can't take it away from them. And if you go to Greece, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're not bothered by not qualifying for the World Cup. That's not true. Although basketball is the thing. But, I, I, you know, that's, that's the case. But there's 2004. And there's always will be 2004 for the Greeks in the same way that there's 1966 for England. And to win something like that, Whatever you know, people forget the context. I mean, as it happens, Greece quite deserved it, even though they played the most defensive football you've ever seen. But they won it, and that's what matters. That's what's in the history book. In the same way that England won in 1966, that, that's in the history book. So, my my only hope uh, for the, for the rest of the tournament, and it's a, a traditional. It's almost a, a a mantra now. Is I hope we're practicing penalties. Because <laughs> especially after the Euros. Um, so, yes, I hope everybody's learning to stick it in the corner. Okay, well, thank you all very much for your contributions today. We'll see what happens over the next few days and then we'll chew the cut again in uh, our second podcast in the series. So, Hilary, Tom, Rob, Simon, thank you very much for joining us and enjoy the next few days of football. Thank Can you. Can we go on? Come on.